Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget Beach Finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Hey, here's the cool thing. Yeah? People were really into the question, what's the difference between a human and a machine? And they left us a lot of great comments. Oh, nice. Like what? Nick said that humans are free-thinking creators, and machines are just one of the things that humans create. Mike said, with the advances in science and technology that we're seeing, machines might be able to become more human than some humans. And Matt said, one is made of metal, one is made of meat. Not really a difference past that. <laughs> that last one is a wild visual, but all of those are great comments. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sparked a conversation online and around the How Stuff Works office. And we've been thinking a lot about it over the last week. So we actually have two more interviews to share with you about humans and machines today. Welcome to The Question Booth. I'm Dylan Fagan. And I'm Kathleen Quillian. The Question Booth is a place where strangers come and answer a big question. We also talk to people who know a lot about each week's subject to get more insight on why people might feel a certain way. And later on in the show, we'll have an interview with Dr. Mark Riddell, an associate professor at Georgia Tech's College of Computing. But first, we sat down with HowStuffWorks' very own Annie Reese this week and also asked her our big question. You may know Annie as a co-host of the podcasts Food Stuff and Stuff Mom Never Told You. And since this question sparks so much conversation, we wanted to know what a sci-fi lover like Annie thought about it. Have either of you read The Ghost in the Machine? No. So I, I, I guess the, the answer would be a soul, right? If humans have a soul. And The Ghost in the Machine is describes this thing that has been observed where machines will, if you leave them alone, if you abandon them and they can move, they will move into a corner together. And no one's entirely sure why. Um, <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, and it's just this idea of, like, what if machines have something sort of similar to a soul? What if a soul, we've always kind of thought of it as this sort of, like, ghost-like thing that once we die is somewhere in the atmosphere. But what if it's more like experiences and energy that have defined you and shaped your your body, your cellular makeup, and it's almost more of a drive 
to be with someone, to share those experiences with someone. And in that case, if machines are doing something similar, I mean, that is really interesting. It's it's worth pondering for sure. There's also, there's a definition of what it is to be human. And I can't remember what it is, but it's something along the lines of like feelings and can you feel fear? Are machines afraid of dying, of not existing anymore? And that is how, like, I used to watch a lot of um, Star Trek and Stargate. And so when they'd go to a like, alien planet and they're trying to decide some moral quandary, is it okay to let these creatures die? They would ask themselves these questions, like, what is it to be human? And it's also along the lines of, like, what's cruel? If there's these criteria and you ask yourself, well, they don't feel this, they don't feel this, they don't feel this, that's kind of like um, a standard set of questions that we've been... We've been going by. Our other question was, can you ever love a machine? Or do you think it's possible to love a machine? And the idea of what's the difference between a human and a machine when machines band together for their own freedom? Like the ghost machine or Westworld. Are you talking about Westworld? I was talking about uh, in Solo. I just haven't personally seen Westworld other than the movie. I guess from what I know, that's a big theme in Westworld. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I think you can have a relationship with the machine, personally. And I do think that we just keep improving upon technology so much. And since machines can be adaptive, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that thing where um, Google now can make appointments for you. So what you're going to hear is the Google Assistant actually calling a real salon to schedule the appointment for you. Let's listen. Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. I think the technology is moving that way, that we could have machines that, if they are not experiencing emotions, they can at least, like, empathize, or there will be something in their code where they can almost understand what those are. And I think that at that point, absolutely, you could fall in love with a with a machine. And we've seen it in so many sci-fi things, like the, the examples that are coming to my mind is wild. Um, I just watched Blade Runner 2049, and it's just like a little USB kind of digital projection. And it, it learned him so much. And that's interesting, too, because then you're kind of falling in love with something that you have created, that you has learned you and is adapted to you. I think for sure you could have a relationship with a, with a robot. I wonder how long-term it could be if you were falling in love with your own creation. I do feel like that's easy to do, but is it truly love? Because I, in, in my opinion, and I don't have factual evidence <laughs> to back this up, but a lot about loving someone and being someone's friend and growing close with someone is not always agreeing with them about everything. It's sometimes your disagreements and your ability to talk to each other about your beliefs and your opinions and your feelings and them not lining up is what makes someone endearing and makes you love them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I wonder 
if you can fall in love with your own creation, at what point? <laughs> well, aren't you just falling in love with yourself because we curate all of these machines that know everything about you, like that agree with everything that you say and what you do and how you think. So it's like you're literally just falling in love with a virtual version of yourself. Yeah. And it's just like, is that love? Is that Or is that just vanity? Yeah. <laughs> or is that narcissistic? Yeah. I think that this actually, I think people fall in love with versions of themselves in real life all the time because we were talking about this on this other show I do. Um, a lot of people kind of project what they think the other person will like and it's almost always a reflection of the other person and their likes. And then as the relationship goes forward and the years pass and one person, probably both, realize you've sort of pretty much faked it, faked being this person, the relationship probably won't work anymore. Um, but I think a lot of us have some type of relationship hang-up in one form or the other. And so maybe... You're, you're afraid of commitment or you're afraid of being left. So you have trouble trusting people. But with a machine, in theory, it's never going to leave you unless we do reach a point where they are pretty much human. So you don't have that fear. And I could see in the future a lot of people choosing that over relationship with a human because... Mm-hmm. Stability. Yeah. We'll have more Question Booth after the break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. Let's hear more from our interview with Annie. I know that there's been development and science is moving to find a way to make people immortal by uploading their, their conscience to the cloud. But then if humans can exist in the cloud, it does go back to that question of like, what is a soul and what makes a human human? And what is it that makes you, you? I've been thinking about that lately just in like in terms of if someone had the exact same DNA as you, but they weren't, they didn't have the same experiences as you, are they you? One of my favorite things to ponder every time it comes up is if you have a boat and you, over like 30 years, you replace every single part of the boat to where no original panels or parts exist, is that still the boat that you started out with? I don't think it is. Again, in theory, if we could reach a point where we don't age the same way we do now and you just kind of get replacement parts, but then I guess if your brain is still there. That's true. That's integral. Yeah. Got to have that part. Yeah. A lot of people came in and ended up talking about their fears surrounding artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And once again, as someone who watches a lot of sci-fi, I do feel like there are conflicting views. I mean, there are conflicting representations of what artificial intelligence will mean when it reaches a certain point. But I wondered what you thought about it. I mean, it's hard to think of an example where artificial intelligence isn't uh, the bad, like the villain in a movie. I'm kind of more relaxed about it, but I did read um, an article that I very much enjoyed. The article is called The AI Revolution, The Road to Superintelligence, and you can check it out in our show notes. And it, it was saying that we right now, this is the moment in history where we're at the, the bottom of that curve. Mm -hmm. So soon we're going to see exponential growth. Like in the next 50 years, things could be completely different. And they were talking about artificial intelligence. And the author was trying to say, like, when we think that artificial intelligence, all this anxiety we have around it, that it's going to be, basically it's going to destroy humanity, it wouldn't be because it realized, like, I am superior and humans are inferior. It would be because somebody coded it poorly. Just last week, MIT fed an AI named Norman data from an infamous board on Reddit. They don't name which one they're pulling from in the press release due to the graphic content of the subreddit, but it's one that's centered around death. They compared Norman's responses with a standard image captioning neural network on Rorschach inkblots. It turns out that Norman's answers insinuate that they may have made a psychopath AI. But here's Annie with a fictional example from the article she mentioned. It was um, a program that was coded to, I think it was for like a greetings card write the best greetings card for everybody. But the code was such that the artificial intelligence that they developed to do this, it infiltrated a network looking at all these sources to try to find 
what's the best? And then it was like, well, it would be the best if everyone could see it. And it, the only way everyone could see it is if I do this. And he, like, shut down certain power grids and then somehow, like, hijacked rockets, sent them into space, and had them, like, ride out season's greetings or something, like some <laughs> message in space so everyone could see it. But a lot of people end up dying, and it took over a lot of systems. But it was because the code was written poorly. Mm-hmm. So there is still anxiety around it, if you think about it that way. But to me, it, it makes me feel more, we should just be very careful, proceed with caution, but I'm trying to be optimistic, I guess, because I think we are moving that way pretty quickly. Yeah. If we are reaching a point where the lines between being a human and a machine are getting blurry, Mm -hmm. do you think there are benefits to that? I do. I do think there are benefits. Depending on how you define things, humans have kind of been augmenting humanity for, for a long time. So I do hope so. I do hope that it frees up a lot of time and maybe helps us come to solutions that so far have eluded us. That is my hope. Okay, so we also went on a field trip this week. Since so many of our participants talked about AI when we asked the question, we wanted to talk to someone who actually works with artificial intelligence. Yes, so we went down the street to Georgia Tech to speak with Dr. Mark Riddell. His research focuses on what he calls the human-centeredness of AI. He wants to find out how humans and computers can interact in more naturalistic ways and how AI can be used to tell stories. We started off by asking him our big question. What, in his opinion, is the difference between a human and a machine? That is actually not easy to answer. Um, but when I think about the uh, the kind of the nuts and bolts, what we have is um, the human brain being something that has been evolving over many, many uh, millennia, uh, very specialized to deal with a, the human environment, and a computer being uh, something that has to be programmed in order to process certain inputs and outputs. Now, I think one of the interesting things that is probably coming up a lot is this notion of artificial intelligence and machine learning in particular. Let's start with um, what artificial intelligence is. Artificial intelligence simply being uh, the act of creating computer programs that uh, do information processing that we think is typically something that only humans can do. So something that's challenging and non-trivial. This could be anything from driving a car to um, you know searching the web or processing millions of web pages. You know, just about anything that we think of as being non-trivial for humans, we can think about a computer program trying to do that that would be considered artificial intelligence. In the last few years, we've been more interested in something called machine learning, which is a type of artificial intelligence. But what machine learning basically boils down to is a computer system that learns from data. Uh, So machine learning is just pattern, right? Finding patterns, acting on them. A particular algorithm that um, a lot of people have found to be very successful at finding these patterns is something called a deep neural net. Now, this is, I think, where some of the confusion about human brains and human minds and computer programs come in because we call these things neural nets, and human brains are made of vast networks of of physical cells called neurons. The neural nets are, in fact, kind of weakly inspired by the human brain in the idea that um, there's this network of connections inside these algorithms. But if we were to look one level deeper, 
uh, what we find is that uh, these neural networks seem to work more like electronic circuits than human brains in that they're layout in nice layers. Um, they're fully connected, meaning that there are certain network properties that do not appear in the human mind. Human cells are much more complicated. And I could go on, but basically what we've done is we've taken something that we know happens in the human brain, we've simplified it down, we've written nice mathematical formulas that don't exist in the human brain, and we found that in very limited contexts, uh, these neural networks do really well. The human brain is a single thing that can do lots and lots of different things. Um, we haven't quite mastered how to make our little algorithmic approximations of the human mind do anything close to as complicated as the broad scope of human everyday activity in life. It's interesting because one of the participants said, aren't we similar to a machine? Because in a way, DNA is just a very intricate form of code. But obviously, as you said, it's a very <laughs> intricate form of code. Do you think we'll ever come close to that kind of technology to where we almost will be able to mimic that? So there's nothing in theory that says we can't get to the level of sophistication. But I do kind of, from my perspective, I want to say that the level of sophistication we have, even though we have these impressive AI systems doing amazing things like driving cars, um, the level of sophistication of the human mind is orders and orders of magnitude better. As amazing as the things we see in artificial intelligence, we really kind of take baby steps every single year. And we talk about this explosion of interest and excitement about um, machine learning and neural nets, but it really is still kind of scratching the surface. And it's not really clear how we get from what computers can do today to the vast complexity of the human mind. So if we want to double the intelligence of a computer system, we have to exponentially grow the amount of computing power. So right now we don't know how to make the physical hardware uh, scale. And in many ways, it's not the software in theory. Um, we can say that there's no limits to what software can do, but the hardware is something that um, is holding us back. We'll have more with Dr. Adele after one more quick break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. Also comparing human and machine, some participants said that uh, a machine can't have a moral compass or, you know, really know what's right from wrong because those things are built off experiences. And like you said, the human mind is so complicated and what we go through is so vast to put that into a machine or code is very hard. Um, I thought that was interesting because that was definitely a constant pattern that someone was like, well, this machine doesn't have these life experiences. Like, how will you build up these years and years of experiences? Yeah, no, that's a really insightful comment by uh, some of your guests because um, they're right that experience is an important part of um, living in the human world, right? So we've constructed social constructs, social norms, cultural norms that allow us to interact with each other kind of very fluidly, seamlessly, and to avoid conflict with each other. Humans learn this because we, you know, from day one, we're living in a social world and we're mimicking and we're learning from our parents and our teachers and and from our peers how to interact with each other successfully. And computers know nothing when you turn them on. There's patterns of society. They're very complicated. How do you do that without taking an AI system and training it from, you know, a baby to a teenager, right? Which takes, you know, dozens of years. Okay, this did come up from some of our participants who said that they are fearful for the future and where we're going with AI. I mean, how our technology is progressing and how it's portrayed in the news, they do instill some fear. So it's, you know, it's the first thing that we go to when we try to understand what this thing is. But what's happening here is that when we don't understand things that look intelligent or that solve interesting hard problems or speak to us, like the way Siri does, the first thing we want to do is anthropomorphize it, right? So we see this thing solving a really hard problem. Oh, this AI can drive a car. I can drive a car. I can do other things. Can this AI do these other things as well? Or is it one step away from that? Um, So our self-driving car is not thinking about poetry when it's sitting in our parking lot. You know, it's not plotting against us. It literally cannot think about anything other than getting us from point A to point B as safely as possible. And the same thing with Siri or or machine translation. They do one thing, they do one thing very well. It may do those things better than us, right? But it's very constrained in what they're able to do. And there is not really any serious kind of effort, or we really don't understand how to make these things broader to do more than one thing at one time. So they're very, very laser focused on the things that they do. 
Um, so this anthropomorphization is actually the wrong lens to look at AI, right? We shouldn't think because it can do something better than me in this topic that it can do other things better than me in other things. And there are things that humans are just vastly superior at, like social interactions and, and language and lots of things like that, that we don't even have any idea how to crack. If I have concerns about artificial intelligence, it's not about the rise of the robots or the singularity, which I don't believe are going to happen, at least not in my lifetime, if at all. Uh, what I am concerned about is a rush to deploy artificial intelligence before we um, have a full understanding of, of all the ways these systems can fail. So we've seen lots of self-driving cars crash for really kind of strange reasons, right? Um, we see random sorts of things happen on machine translation systems where it takes a sentence that seems really easy and spouts out some really strange things. We see bias in our data sets that cause our AI systems to kind of say incendiary things. It's, it's not intentional maliciousness, right? It just doesn't know, it picked up a pattern and is applying that pattern. Sometimes the patterns get applied to the wrong problems or the wrong situations. And these failures um, are the things that worry me because they can put people in harm's way or they can uh, get people in trouble or unintentionally insult people or, or say things that are hurtful. And those are the sorts of things that I think we need to work on right now while we're also trying to kind of figure out how to make these things useful to society. This is this is how you should uh, address kind of the things that you see out there when someone says AI has done a new thing, right? That there is no one singular AI. I'm doing hand quotes here, uh, finger quotes. Um, what you have is you know lots of little algorithms running that are very specialized uh, to very specific tasks. And at the end of the day, when someone says this is machine learning or this is a neural net, uh, you should ask what is the data. What are the patterns that it's looking for and is how is it using the patterns? And once you start changing your words from artificial intelligence and, and words to pattern finder and things like that, then I think that kind of brings things down to kind of the level that things are actually happening on and make you less likely to anthropomorphize those things. So those are kind of practical everyday ways of cutting through kind of the, you know, the hype in some ways. I think that Dr. Rodella swayed some of my worries around the future of AI. Yeah, things are progressing rapidly. And like Annie said, it's hard to predict where we'll be in 50 years. But it was cool to hear from someone like Dr. Rodell, who works in AI, to be reminded that at this point, at least there's no AI overlord watching us all. to know what you think. You can email us at thequestionbooth at howstuffworks.com or find us on Instagram at thequestionbooth. We'd like to give a special thanks this week to our executive producer, Julie Douglas, and to Annie Reese and Dr. Mark Riddell for joining us. We'd also like to thank Pond City Market for hosting The Question Booth. The Question Booth is written, edited, and scored by me, Dylan Fagan, and my co-host, Kathleen Quillian. One million likes, Kathleen. One million! Thanks, Dylan. 
And if you're in Atlanta, you can visit the Question Booth, too. We're on the second floor of Pont City Market, 12 to 5 p.m., Friday through Sunday. Also, if you like what you hear, we'd love if you give us a quick review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. Okay, so before we go, what are we talking about next week? We're listening to the answers to the question, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I am looking forward to that one. But until then... See you in the question booth. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.